you know, God looks at these things and says, okay, here's another thing to do. And uh, when we were chatting on Friday uh, and it looked like Neil was not going to be able to make it, the Lord said, well, there is a part two to what you shared last week. So uh, graciously, Nicole said, well, why not do part two? So here we are with part two of discipleship. Uh, Last week, we looked at the picture, what I described and what we looked at as the real picture of discipleship of Jesus. It's not a self-promotion or great heights story at all. Uh, It's a story of choosing to be like Jesus, to embrace a life of daily choosing to follow Jesus' example of what he said in the garden, and it's actually been sung and spoken in prayer this morning, where Jesus said, after crying out to the Father, is there another way other than me walking through the cross? But he said, not my will, but yours be done. And these words of Jesus that were uttered in the garden are actually meant to be the words that we as disciples of Jesus would utter daily before the Father. That the will that we would have for the day would be subjected to the will of God for the day. And so that's the invitation into discipleship. We looked and we realised that as we're called to forget self and give ourselves up to the Lord's leading and purpose in the day, that it's costly. It's not a message of, isn't this going to be awesome? Even though it really should be, because it is going to be awesome beyond our understanding, but our initial fleshly look at it says, I don't know that that's such a good idea. I'm not sure I want to be that constrained or that shaped or that changed. We also mentioned last week about the picture from birth, being born again daily to going to the cross daily to being resurrected daily. And that's an important thing to remember as disciples of Jesus. It's not we're going to the grave and we stay there each day. It is that in this journey of discipleship, We go, wow, thank you, Lord, that I am born again. Thank you, Lord, that you've helped me to say I will die to myself. But thank you, Lord, too, that you bring life to me beyond that death. And I want to embrace that life that is the kingdom life that you have for me to lead that will bring others to know the wonder of following Jesus. You get it? That's really, really important because the first part, we go, wow, I am born again. Thank you, Lord. And then we go... Hang on, it means I've got to say, not my will but yours, Lord. I'll lie down and die. That's not such a good idea because I had all these good ideas for the day. But then the Lord says, let me bring my life to you for the day. The resurrection power, the Holy Spirit comes and brings us into the excitement and the joy and the wonder of kingdom living as Jesus would live out the day. I never realised that at the beginning. I used to sort of stop at the cross and go... Okay, I'm dead to self. This is not going to be such a really good day. I'm sorry that you have to die, but I know I have to, Lord. And I'd mumble and grumble about what what was going wrong with my plan. But then one day, I don't know about you, but sometimes in the bathroom you get great revelation. And one day I was in the bathroom and the Lord said to me, David, my plan for your life is so much better than you could even begin to imagine for your life. And I was like, wow, how amazing is that? God's ideas are bigger and better and more wonderful than the ones that I could dream up for myself. And it was a really strong sense of God's way is better. 
And so God is gracious in that and he keeps giving us this encouragement as we go along. So this resurrection life is what we live in daily when we choose to die daily to the flesh because we still are flesh and spirit. Not until we leave this flesh behind will we be free of this flesh's demands and, and its interests and desires. And God knows that. But he gives us the Holy Spirit to help us through when those fleshly things continue to rise up and want to take over. So today I thought, going on from last week, it might be good to look at the areas of discipline in discipleship to be able to move with God as a kingdom disciple. And the most important thing in this is that because we have this book that we take as our guidebook for life, it doesn't actually tell us what to do this Thursday afternoon. Well, it hasn't told me what I'm doing this Thursday afternoon, I may have told you, and because it is a revelation to each one of us. But what we need is the Holy Spirit to tell us what it is that's on the Father's heart for today. And so the first thing we need to have as a disciple of Jesus is to ask the Holy Spirit to help us to learn, to listen and to hear. There's two things happening there. One is listen and the other is to hear. We can listen, but if we don't connect with that, we don't hear what it is that the Lord is saying to us. So the still small voice is the one we need to learn to recognise, that it is the voice of the Lord speaking to us. So we listen and we say, is that you, Lord? Is that you, Lord? And he will whisper sometimes to us. He doesn't yell at us. He doesn't drop a bomb on us. I mean, sometimes he has to to break through, but that's not his normal pattern. His normal pattern is one of lovingly coming alongside us and embracing us into a relationship that is all about love and brings life in that. And he says to us, this and thus. This is how he communicates to us in this kingdom phase living. And so he then says, this and thus, David. And I go, I heard you, Lord. I heard you. So what happens next? We have a choice to make. I heard you, and yes, I will. So we move from here, we move from listening to hearing to obedience. And these are the steps that go into a disciple learning to live and walk in the way of Jesus every day. It's not, I'll do it on Sunday when I'm at church and then we'll fly blind for the rest of the week. It's a daily invitation of the Lord to be with him in the day. And it's precious. And the days that I fail to do that because things might get in the road of my life. I'm, I lack in that day. That's my testimony. I lack in that day. So I choose to obey. But there's another part, the next step, is why would I choose to obey if I didn't trust what God is inviting me into? So we have from hearing, listening to hearing to choosing to obey to leaning into the trust in the relationship that we have with the Father through Jesus. They're all factors 
in this way of conversation and acting out the discipleship call. You know, this whole thing about listening, there's, there's been a lot of times when I've listened and I haven't heard. And then when I hear, it's like, oh, what a revelation. And, and uh, one of the things we have as a little byline, if you will, there's revelation, then there's interpretation, then there's application. I remember that by RIA, R-I-A. Revelation, interpretation, application. So when you get a revelation from God, ask for what it means. What are you really saying to me, Lord? What am I supposed to do? And then how do I apply it? That's just a little tip if you want one. You can take it or leave it. But when we were, when we were looking around for somewhere to plant, place the church, we were meeting as a church in rented facilities elsewhere and we were I had a business base in that section of the building there which was a convenient place for me to do stuff at the time and I'm all over town looking for somewhere where we could meet and I'm going Lord where do you, where where can we have as a place for meeting and this part of the building had been uh, occupied by a mechanics workshop and it was filthy it was it was like a mechanics workshop there was grease that thick on the floor and it was not something attractive. And one night I'm driving home from the city, which is where I also had an office, and I called in to see one of the people that was on the board with me at the church at the time and I said, I'm just running out of ideas on where to look to put the church. And as I said it, the Lord's just showed me like a pink fluoro tube and I can still see it. And God, God calls me funny names sometimes because he knows I'm a bit strange. And he said to me, David... Here it is, dummy. <laughs> God called me dummy. And because it was right. It was right here. I'm looking all over town and it's right here. <laughs> it's like, oh, but that's a mess in there. God said, this is the place. And then he showed me a picture of his heart turning into an urn, a giant urn, and pouring out into this corner of the building, which at that time was just grot. And it was, I'm going to pour myself into there. And it was like, this is where you'll worship me. So, okay, it was clear. It was black and white clear with fluoro tubes and the whole thing in the vision I had as I was saying, I don't know where to go, Lord. And we, we spoke to the landlord and he was delighted to have somebody want to take on the mess next door. We got it at a good deal for a while until we cleaned it up. Then he put the rent up, which was not, not unreasonable on his part. It was part of the deal. So that, that was one of those moments where there was a revelation that came after Lord, 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 where? And then it was, does it really make sense? Yes, it does. And the application was clean it up and get on with it. So this is then trusting God for how he's going to do it. Because at the time, it was like, okay, we don't know how we're going to do this, Lord, but we'll get on and do it. And he did it. How do we listen? How do we hear? We're each a unique creation of God and he speaks and contacts our hearts uniquely. For some of us, it's as we read the word, we read the word and we suddenly see a word will jump off the page at us and it's God speaking to us. He'll take the mundane and sometimes call us into a whole new revelation. For me, one of the more precious times of me hearing the Lord is actually during worship particularly when I'm singing love songs to Jesus. In those moments of intimate connection, 
I often will feel, sense and know something of a word from God for me or for other people or for life. So worship is a precious, precious thing. That's how one of the things, one of the ways God speaks to me. The other way God speaks to me is when I'm driving along and I suddenly, out of the blue, will suddenly go, wow, what an awesome day it is, Lord. And then he'll speak to me. He'll, he'll sort of invite me into a conversation by showing me a, a clear blue sky and I'll start to sing some crazy song about blue skies and then the Lord will interrupt me and go, yeah, well, what about this? And so God has his unique ways of speaking to us and there are times when he'll start to speak to me and say, is that you, Lord? And, and his general answer is, David, you know my voice. Now, the voice of God to me sounds like my voice in my head, just so that you know. It's not a different voice. It doesn't suddenly go, and now I'm speaking to you, David. It's God speaking to me in my own voice in my head. But I know it's him because he'll suddenly take me to a place I had no intention of going in my thoughts. And then I have to listen. And that's when the, the listening becomes hearing. I go, okay, I am hearing you, Lord. Occasionally, very occasionally, there's an audible word, an audible voice. It hasn't happened to me more than a couple of times. But these other ways are more common when God will speak to me. Pictures, he'll give me pictures. As I'm looking, thinking, seeing, whatever, there'll be a picture come from the Lord. It might just be a, just a sense of a picture, but it's a picture nonetheless. And so I go, Lord, what's that? And then there's the way I began to hear the Lord, which we call a word of knowledge, where, where God will, in a setting like this, where we might be looking to pray for healing, God will drop a word into your mind about a need that someone has that he gives you, that you can speak it out because he is saying, I want to touch that person with my love and my healing. Now we can, everybody, is, it's legitimate to ask God for healing all the time. But there are times when God chooses in his wonderful love plan for a life to say, that person there has an aching heart. I want you to pray for that person's aching heart. And so you share that. And if the person responds, you pray. If the person doesn't, you pray anyway. But there are times when a person will know it's a word for them. It, it hits you because you know it's God speaking to you as in the person that's being ministered to by God. And so we're the, we're the in-between. We're the Jesus in the moment. And we're the Jesus in the moment for the blessing of the person that God is pointing out to us. In terms of the audible voice of God, um, a couple of times it's, it's struck, God has struck me in the night I, um, <laughs> I was praying for Australia one night and I said, Lord, what is it that's over this nation that stops us from being who you say we are, the great Southland of the Holy Spirit? Is there some angel over this place that's stopping this? And the Lord said to me, the angel over the Middle East is Mordecai. And I said, Lord, that's not what I asked you. I said... What's this angel over Australia that I believe is a dark angel stopping what you want to come alive through this nation? And once again, the Lord said to me, the, the angel over the Middle East is Mordecai. And I was getting a bit 
short with God because he wasn't answering my question. And then I realised that it was about the second week of March when I was asking this question, and that happens to be the celebration of Purim in the, in the Jewish calendar, which is where, and I thought, I better get up and read the book of Esther again because in the book of Esther we read the story of how the Jewish people were rescued by the actions of Mordecai, who was a servant of the Lord, who had his charge, his, his, uh, the young lady that he was responsible for as family, uh, as a part of the king's uh, harem, and he said, you need to get in front of the king because there's an edict gone out from Haman that all the Jews across the, the, the then world could be killed on this certain day. And it was an instruction, essentially, that had gone out to kill all the Jews. And, and Mordecai said to Esther, you need to ask the king for a rescinding edict. And that's a big deal. But she did. The, the, the king heard her and he sent out a rescinding edict. Haman who was the guy behind the first message, this is all in the book of Esther, it's worth a read, he thought he was being celebrated by the king because he was called into his presence. But what had happened was that the king had found out that Mordecai had been a guy that had blessed the king, let's call it that for now, and he wanted to honour him. And so Haman had built this huge scaffold to try to kill Mordecai and others and it turned out in the story that suddenly the Holy Spirit showed the king that Haman was the bad guy, Mordecai was the good guy, the edict went out, the Jews were able to defend themselves, they weren't all slaughtered, Haman was hung on the scaffold that was built to hang the others and then there's the story. But the spirit of God drew me back to that story by reminding me that the angel over the Middle East is called Mordecai. A little later I was going to Germany and I asked the Lord who the angel was over Europe and he said to me the angel over Europe is Justin. Uh, Justin that's a strange name for an angel. I believe in angelic powers above continents and nations just so that you might want to wonder why I'm saying this. And so I, I said, I woke Carol up. I said, what's this? What do you think this is? And she said, well, Justin. I said, yeah, I'm trying to get a handle on that because I don't see Justin in the scriptures anywhere. But Justin is a word that's derived from justice. And there's been a lot of injustice over the centuries in Europe. And so the Lord said that there is a power at work over, a good power at work over Europe, which is about bringing justice and so in all of the crises that are happening in Europe now, folks, and there's plenty going on, I believe that God has the say that says that justice will prevail. This is years and years ago the Lord spoke to me, but I believe it's relevant for today, that justice will prevail, that those who are trying to create havoc out of evil will not be successful. And that includes Russia in Ukraine, in my belief. I'm not a prophet, but let's see what happens in Ukraine. The other thing that I just want to 
touch on today is this one of obedience. It's, uh, it's a word that we sort of often hook on to the end of the Ten Commandments, if you like. You know, you've got to obey the Ten Commandments. Well, this is a different kind of obedience I'm talking about. This is not an obedience that you go to Scripture and say, that matches that commandment. There's a commandment that Jesus gave, which was a new commandment I give to you, that you'll love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength and your neighbour as yourself. And I believe that Jesus calls us into, into, into obedience into that particular commandment when he releases us and calls us at the, each and every day in this kingdom adventure of life. Am I making sense here? Okay, okay. So obedience is different from... I'm following the Ten Commandments, okay? It's a different thing. It's not a legal issue. Obedience is not a legal issue. Obedience is a relationship issue, and it's very, very different. Obedience is better than to sacrifice. A story in the Old Testament where Saul, king, was sent by Samuel, who was the prophet, and in those days, the Holy Spirit wasn't with everybody. The Holy Spirit was with the prophets and the kings, but the Holy Spirit was with the prophet and the prophet of the day in Saul's day was Samuel and Samuel was here from the Lord and he would give instructions to the king and the king would obey because he knew it was, he knew it was a word from God. There was no doubt about it. In this instance, Saul was given an instruction to go and to wipe out a nation. Everybody, everything, every animal, everything. It was a, a cleansing. Saul went and did part of the job but he hung on to some of the the choice fruit, some of the, uh, the animals that were really prime animals and some of the things. And he didn't kill the king who he was told to kill. So Samuel was told by God that Saul had disobeyed before Samuel got to see Saul. And, and, and God said, I'm disappointed I made Saul king. And so Samuel felt a great distress. You can read this in 1 Samuel chapter 15. But he then went to Saul and as he was approaching, he said, why do I hear the bleeding of sheep? There's not supposed to be any living sheep here. They're supposed to all be dead. And Saul says, oh, we kept them for the sacrifice. That was, he was pretty smart on his feet, I tell you. He had a good answer to God, you know. Oh, oh, I only kept them so that I could sacrifice them to God. I didn't keep them because they were good sheep. I wanted them. And Samuel just went, no, 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 that's not it. Obedience is better than sacrifice, is what he said then as a word from God into Saul's life. And Saul, at that point, the power and the spirit of God was lifted off him to be king, to continue to be king. He, did, he was for a while after that. But the relational connection with God, because of our trust, will release us into disobedience. You get that? Into obedience, sorry. If we didn't trust, disobedience would be more inclined to come to the surface. But when you know someone, and in this case, when you know the love of God that's been showered on us in Jesus and continues to be released day in, day out, day in, day out, in this crucifixion, resurrection every day, when we know that we can trust God, we, we will obey because it's easy to do. We're not obeying out of a sense of legalism where if we don't get it right, we're going to get our head chopped off. 
We're obeying because we want to bless God's heart. Because we know his heart is for us. And so obedience as a disciple is a blessing to us and to God. It's not a burden. It's not something that we need carry as a... I'm not sure I really want to hear from God today because he might ask me to do something I don't want to do. Sometimes the ask of God challenges us to actions and words that, we, that are costly to us in the flesh. That's got to be said. God might ask you to give all your money away. He doesn't do that very often, but he does do it. <clears throat> or to give up things that are really, 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 really important to you. I've discovered that as those kind of challenges come along, if I'm brave enough in trusting God and holding my breath, I do come up out of the water. I may still need a life jacket of the Holy Spirit to help me get back on dry land. I might blubber and splutter a lot, but at the end of the day, God is faithful. He says, I will bless you. There will be favour in your life there will be favour in your heart. When the Lord asks you to do something that only affects you and you get it wrong, it's you that suffers. If the Lord asks you to do something that has an effect upon other people, it's really, really wise to seek other people's counsel before you make that move. Because if you get it wrong, it can have an adverse effect upon a lot of people. God doesn't want that to happen. He will rarely, and it does happen, he will rarely ask you to do something that will affect other people and let you do it to the detriment of other people. It does happen. I'm not God. He is, but he usually, as best I know, brings a good outcome after the event to the people that have probably felt harmed or hurt in it. That's not abdicating responsibility. It's still a case of, I'm really sorry I got it wrong, Lord, and I didn't mean to hurt those people, but, Lord, will you bless them anyway? Because God can bring good out of bad, because he's God, and he does. So it's good to be aware when we're called to be obedient that sometimes what we hear needs to be tested with others who listen to the Lord. Words of knowledge... That's a really good place to start if we haven't practiced hearing and listening because there's an immediate, it's usually to bless somebody and there's an immediate reaction and a response. So we're, we're beginning to hear, we're beginning to understand and we're beginning to act and we start to see God's hand at work and we go, wow, that was really you, God. And, and that sort of lights us up. Uh, I've shared before, but I'll just give a snippet. That's what happened to me in the first time when I had this word of knowledge about a lady's bent foot. And it was like there was a person in the meeting with a bent foot. The other thing is really, really important is not to add to or embellish what the Holy Spirit says to you in the moment. Because my picture of a bent foot was a club foot. The person that came forward had a bent foot with the foot bent out. And had I said a club foot, that person would not have responded because it wasn't a club foot. And I nearly said it, but then I said it was a bent left foot. And it was a bent left foot. 
And then it was like, wow, God actually said that. I actually heard God right, and there's the person. And then when God healed her, that, was, that just sort of took me to a whole other world. But also grabbed hold of my heart, and he's never let it go since. And I'm thankful for that. This new commandment that Jesus gave us, it's expressed very well. And, and in a way, I, I just want to read part of uh, John's Gospel, chapter 15 today. It is one of my favourites, but uh, it's one the Lord took me to this morning. And reading from verse 7 through to verse 17, I'm reading out of today, I've got my New King James Bible with me. And this is what it says. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, then you will ask for anything you wish and you shall have it. That's pretty cool. Yeah, not a bad start, is it? My Father's glory is shown by your bearing much fruit and in this way you become my disciples. I love you just as the Father loves me. Remain in my love. What an incredible love. Jesus is saying, I love you the way the Father loves me. If you obey my commands, here we go, you will remain in my love just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. So there's a promise of joy as well in this relationship of discipleship. That your joy would be complete. My command is this, love one another just as I love you. The greatest love a person can have for his friends is to give his life for them. And you are my friends if you do what I command you. I do not call you servants any longer because a servant does not know what his master is doing. Instead, I call you friends because I have told you everything I have heard from my father. You did not choose me, which is interesting. We didn't choose Jesus. He chose us. He appointed us to go and bear much fruit, the kind of fruit that endures. And so the father will give you whatever you ask in, of him in my name. This then is what I command you, love one another. If you, if you look into that, the link between obedience and being a disciple is love. It's the love that creates the link between the Father and our obedience. Don't run past his love. Trust in his faithfulness. There's power in choosing obedience. So discipleship has a way. A relationship of trust and obedience in the daily dying to self and daily rising to kingdom living in the power of God. A full connection of heart releases the self from self and engages the heart of the other with Jesus and the Father as the core that we hook into. And this is how we come to enjoy what Jesus said when he came and he said, I want to bring you life in all its fullness. Amen.
life in all its fullness. Those who are watching online, we bless you and we trust that today's word has been life-giving for you. Uh, we're going to move into some time here within the fellowship, but God bless you as you embrace the love of God that's being offered to you sovereignly by his great love. So folks...